Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Down in the Valley. My name is Edson Ochoa, and I am the co-host of the Down in the Valley podcast, a proud member of the Beautiful Game Network. Be sure to check out uh, the Beautiful Game Network. If you guys want to check out any, our, obviously our podcast, but also any other USL podcasts uh, like uh, the USL show, uh, The Peel, who is now a, also a member of... Oh boy, that is going to hold on. Let me let me remove this up there. No, sorry. Like I said, we're trying uh, some new things out uh, with Restreamio. So got a, So it's going to be some growing pains with regards to display now. Um, but uh, like I was saying, be sure to check out all the uh, all the other podcasts like the USL show, the Peel. Um, and any other USL and MLS podcasts, uh, check it out on their website at bgn.fm. Also, we want to give a huge shout out to the Beautiful Game Network's uh, uh, sponsors, which are uh, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus uh, FC. Uh, and of course, our personal uh, sponsor, which is Natural Beauty Spa. We've got a lot to talk about today, and thankfully, we've got the crew, uh, the whole, the complete crew, uh, with us today. And uh, also, before I actually introduce everybody, do want to mention to uh, that. Uh, be sure to check out the uh, the actual podcast uh, on um, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Um, I know I did a base barely uploaded. I'm sorry, I've been out of whack with all of everything that I've kind of been in, in charge of lately. Uh, I barely uploaded part of uh, last Saturday's show uh, yesterday, and I will be uploading the rest of the two parts uh, today and tomorrow, and then I'll, I'll be uploading uh, today's episode uh, on uh, all of the platforms. So if you guys miss any part of the show, uh, be sure to check out uh, that uh, on those uh, platforms. Um, so anyways, um, let's go ahead and introduce everybody today. Obviously, you've we've had... Uh, uh, Ray, who has been with us uh, the last couple of weeks, you know, analyzing he's the the stats uh, kind of guy, the feedback uh, for us. Uh, Ray Silva of South Texas Border Sports. Ray, how's it been going, man? How are you, Edson? Good day to you. Hope everyone is doing fine. Uh, surviving Hurricane Hannah, dealing with COVID nineteen as well. Uh, prayers and thoughts to all of those who lost. Uh, valuables, uh, possessions uh, during this hurricane. It was a very turbulent time during the weekend. Uh, the two hours of distraction that the Toros uh, provided us, despite being dealt the hand that they were dealt with, uh, were slight distraction, but uh, overall, we're, we're, I'm doing good at least. Um, hope to get going with tonight's show. Glad to hear that you guys are doing fine. I know uh, I've been kind of all the way here in Houston. I've been kind of watching kind of the aftermath of everything that happened. And I know Harry uh, says, um, hope everybody's safe after the storm. I know he's he uh, the people of San Antonio uh, have been kind of vocal in uh, sending their thoughts and prayers over to the, the people at the Rio Grande Valley. And I'm pretty sure that the once we get some information of where to help, they'll be glad to help i know they i know they've done it before for us uh the last time we had a major uh not a hurricane but it was a really bad storm uh, i believe last year or the year before and they were they were real quick quick in uh in helping us 
um, with uh, donations and, and things like that. Um, I know the people of Houston would, would be uh, happy for that as well. Uh, so, but I'm glad that everybody here, uh, you know, Ray, Jacob, are, do, are, do, are doing well. Um, some may not have been uh, as lucky, so, you know, we ask for their thoughts and prayers to them. Hopefully they can, um, they can get back up uh, as quickly as possible. But we know that we, uh, as the people of the Rio Grande Valley, we always persevere, and this time will be no, no exception. And um, now I want to go ahead and um, and say hello to uh, Jacob. Jacob, how's it been, man? I know it's been a, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little while for sure. Um, yeah, it's been fine. Uh, just like Ray said, hope everybody's doing well. I know for a fact that basically the coast got hit worse than at least McAllen did. But the at, mission hey, got at, fl flooded for a day. <laughs> but at least it was a good spot for a hurricane to hit. Ugh. I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. That's that. that I, I, sorry, I'm just bashing. Uh, good morning, America, for that comment that meteorologist said. Oh, well, yeah. Good thing I don't watch Good Morning America. And... I didn't see it either. I just saw, I, like, I just saw like somebody post that that segment on on Twitter, and I was like, it it, it made my blood boil. But continue. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, either way, yeah. Looking forward to talking some soccer for sure. Um, yeah, it's an exciting show. You know, I've got a topic to talk about too with soccer. So, yes, it's going to be a good one. Definitely. And there really is a lot to talk about. There's a different, a lot to, a lot to analyze. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure <laughs> you would like to catch up on some of your thoughts uh, with the past, uh, the past week of soccer, you know, not, uh, with the two uh, South Texas Derby games, as well as the OKC match. And then we're all so to, uh, we've got a couple of topics. Obviously, we'll, we'll be talking about this past Saturday's game uh, against San Antonio. We've got the upcoming match against uh, FC Tulsa, where we've got some ex Toros coming back uh, into the Rio Grande Valley. We'll be talking about that as well. Uh, we'll also be talking about uh, some of the news, more specifically, you know, the um, the inclusion of Ian Hoffman uh, to the RGVFC squad coming in, you know, by the way of the Houston Dynamo signing this uh, young uh, U.S. Youth National Team member uh, into the ranks and will be with the with the RGVFC Toros for the remainder of the 2020 season. But let's go ahead and jump into our first topic, and that is the, um, the San Antonio match that happened last Saturday. And Jacob, I'm going to go ahead and, go ahead and uh, give you the floor first because I know like I said, you probably have some things you want to talk uh, to lead us into this match about the tours. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you talk about it. We came back the first game back from the COVID break for the USL for at least RGVFC. Well, sec first game back at home. Let me be more specific with that. Mm -hmm. We all know that it was a 1-1 draw late goal from RGVFC. I believe scored by... Ray, if you can help me out there. I'm blanking on the name, sadly. Tyberson. There we go. Tyberson Nunez scores that late game, that late goal to give us a point, which was huge. And then, of course, coming into the road, you're talking about, yeah, we had OKC and stuff like that. And it was a 1-1 tie. This time we scored first, and then OKC scored second late in the game. I would say blame midfield to the defense once again. 
just like against SAFC for that first goal. Then we go back home and kind of running on a high two points in the past two matches. It was a good couple of okay results, I, I would say. Still looking for that first win. You mentioned the midfield, and I think uh, I think you really are truly correct that this midfield, sadly, has not lived up to his, to its expectations. Um, and we've had James Murphy, we've had Kembo, we've had Cello, we've had Timo Melich. Defensively, don't get me wrong. Like def- like the midfield defensively, especially with Kembo, especially with Cello, they looked good defensively. Not counting the El Paso match obviously, which we, you know, trashed to our hearts. Not desire, but, you know, to it hurt our hearts to say all this stuff, but we have to say it. Um, but, again, with the match against San Antonio, the match against OKC, I think defensively, they look solid. Unless, I mean, the back line, solid defensively. Even yep. Paul Blanchett was looking decent last couple of matches <laughs> i saw that fa- i saw that fa- uh, face ray we'll, we'll be talking about that right now don't you worry don't you worry i got you know, patience my child but offensively oh boy 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 the sounds like that- every year we talk about offense not ha- being there of course because we can't get anybody to really play and the problem is and this is sad but true Everybody leaves after about two years, and then we're left with young players trying to regroup. And then this does not help that they don't have experience, and we're coming into this crazy craziness of a 2020 year in general, so they can't have more experience. They couldn't practice for a lot of months, and just goes back and forth. And to be fair, we didn't even have anybody really to begin with. But... Before we even talk about finishing is, you know, especially in the first couple of minutes, uh, like in the first half around there, Mm -hmm. RGV has a hard time maintaining possession. They lose the ball real quickly, especially against San Antonio. And with Mm -hmm. San Antonio, Harry told us, you know, in that show, he said, San Antonio is going to be playing high pressure on you. In the first game against San Antonio, the one at home, it was successful. They were able to make the Toros lose balls. But what was the difference between that time and this past Saturday? Is that now San Antonio had the fitness to continue that pressure for more than just 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, this, and because of that, RGV just weren't able to deal with it, honestly. You look at it, you look at the at the stats for that for that game, and let's look specifically at possession, right? So I don't know. I think in most correct me if I'm wrong, Ray Jacob, but most of the matches that we've played, RGV has had less possession. Than their opponent. Uh, I remember San 
Antonio, the first time that we played San Antonio, at least in the first half, we had um, what the stat sheet at least said, if I'm not mistaken, it mm-hmm. is kind of the opposite. RGSC had plenty of possession, especially in that first half. But the problem, of Against course, was against? they couldn't do anything with it. Against Especially who? in that second half, San Antonio FC, the first game. Let's take a look. Okay, so let's take a look at those stats for that match uh, in the USL website. Mm-hmm. And by the way, huge shout outs to Jorge Pedraza and Harry, who right now are very active uh in the uh in the chat right now don't forget guys be sure to uh share this video and leave a like if you guys are, are enjoying this stream uh we're starting a, a little bit slow but it'll it'll pick up uh all right so you look at this by the way they still haven't put that lineup for rgv on the for that game that first game uh <laughs> what is going on with you so all right so it looks like in the first match against San Antonio, it was 51.8 and 48.2. This was in favor of RGV. Keep in mind, though, that in the second half, when San Antonio was super tired and their legs were giving out, that's when the Toros started having more possession. In the first half, it was mostly all San Antonio. Why? Because they kept on, uh, RGV kept on losing the ball in transition, right? Because of that pressure. Okay. So now you move on to the next one uh, for week uh, five, and that was the match against OKC Energy at OKC, or was it week? Yes. Um, and you look at the possession of that game. 67.7% OKC Energy, 32.3% RGV. Yeah, they pulled a Houston Dynamo is what I would love to say because remember we scored first in that game and then decided to drop back and defend, give ourselves only one point, give ourselves Mm -hmm. no chance to have an opportunity at maybe trying for a win. I know Shot Chart could say different, but at that same time, what are you going to do about it when you decide to try and defend and you can't necessarily, just like we talked about at the beginning of the show, hold possession? I don't weird thing is though and i think here comes the biggest difference in that match um toros had 21 shots in that game but only five were on target okc energy had 12 shots in the whole game and eight of them were on target two-thirds were on target And you're talking about a fourth, 25% on target for the Toros. And we go back with this whole, with the, what Coach Echeverry mentioned uh, last week. Not even last week, last year. No, but even last, but even last week he said, you know, the fact of the matter is the Toros are creating chances. Mm -hmm. But if you're not putting it in in direction of the net, then what good is it doing? Exactly. And it's like the question was asked, you know, we're the coach is here's here's the thing and my dad tells me this all the time a coach when he uh makes a plan when he makes a formation when he makes a game plan basically is okay how can i get my team in his goal in a goal situation in favor Mm -hmm. putting it in that's all up to the players right 
you can lead a horse to water, but if you don't, but he, but you can't force him to drink, right? So you can take the team to have goal scoring opportunities, but if your goal, goal scorers can't put that ball in the net, then it really doesn't do any good for you, right? And this is what's happening with the Toros. And if you're in a situation where you don't have possession, like at all, or very little possession, you gotta you gotta take advantage of all those opportunities that you do have when you do have the ball. And you gotta score. You, you gotta put them in. Because yes, you score one, but now you're put you're forcing your defenders to stop your opposition, and your opposition's coming in all the time, all this time towards you. Eventually, you're gonna break the defense, right? There's gonna be one moment of um, miscommunication, one moment where they lose their concentration, and that's exactly what happened with OKC Energy. Just one little minute moment second of this organization in, in inside the area off of a throw-in and they equalize we could have had those three points right there but you ju they just kept inviting they just kept inviting okc energy and i definitely understand that okay the schedule wasn't the best at all you know because you're still yes, you put in a couple of alternates, but your defense basically it's basically it was basically the same. Emilio Gol, Robert Coronado, Robert Castellanos, uh, Carter Manley, uh, with San, against San Antonio, then against OKC Energy, you had Castellanos and Coronado re and Manley repeat. Now you just brought in uh, Jimenez to start in place of Emilio Gol, right? So three out of your four are playing ninety minutes or. Yeah, 180 minutes around there, or two games, pretty much. In le in what three days, four days? It's got to be tiring too. But at the same time, well, the we brought it to ourselves for not having enough depth in, uh, on the defensive line. I mean, you can only do with with so, with so much. But it just leaves you seeing, you know, it leaves you thinking like we could have had it, but ah, but we need to. I think we need to understand that sometimes the best way to defend yourself is possession of the ball. But if your midfield keeps on losing the ball, keeps on just throwing it away when in Italy and just give the ball back to your opposition, then you're just putting yourself in danger for them to be coming in to, uh, and attacking you, right? If you have the ball, well, you have the ball. And you, know, you're, you, control, you control the game now, not them. And that's made my question, like, in these couple of matches. Like, yes, fitness is going to be a factor because of how th these games were planned, especially with the fact that this first San Antonio match was actually postponed until Sunday instead of Friday. So that gives you two less days of recovery, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's just that question that's in the back of my mind that maybe I'm being too picky. Maybe I'm being, I, I don't know. Because a lot of a lot of people would probably say, "Well, you know, you're you got to take into consideration this." Okay, yes, but at this point, when you've got five games, you're already you're like a third of the way into the into the season, and you only have two points with less games to catch up than normal. I mean. You're putting your you're putting the team in the pickle, 
And this game against San Antonio on Saturday, last past Saturday, was a perfect opportunity to at least get yourself uh, back near the top uh, of the of the group. And I don't know about you guys, but I felt they did decent defensively. We continue to see Coron Castellanos had kind of taken that role of captaincy, that role of a leader in the back, obviously, you know, with the help of Carter Manley and his experience. But Castellanos was given the, the responsibility of being a captain of this team. And he hasn't shied away from it. Like, I think yeah. he I think he I think he's been one of the players that uh, that has kind of stood out, you know, the most in, in that defensive line. You know, it, a lot of people, you give them a captaincy, you give them a leadership role, and they'll shy away. Like, they won't play well. But, and I know, Ray, you gave us stats last in the last episode on Saturday before in the pregame of how well, like, the defensive line, uh, their numbers were going into that match. And, yes, and to kind of continue backing up that theory of being successful in the defensive rates. As a team, the Toros were at a very high margin of conversion rate of 78.9%. And that was with 19 uh, successful challenges. Mm -hmm. They also had a higher number of team clearances compared to San Antonio. But again, the one general stat that kills you at the end of the day is the goal, the scoreline of 1-0. That's the thing that kind of upsets me a lot here. The stat line of 1-0. Of I felt like the Toros did did have a little bit more they had a lot more quality chances to at least walk away with another draw than to say that we didn't deserve to lose that one nothing now you were asking about the defensive end with Robert Castellanos. Correct. Okay. His passing accuracy came at a 57.1%. Ideally, you want to be in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Okay. He was 50-50 on the duels won and lost category. Okay. But if you look at the aerial one, he was he was straight up perfect. He was he was a, a clean one for one. Now, let's take a look at another defensive player, Coronado. His passing accuracy was very clean, a nice sparking clean of 80, 86.7. He had. Uh, he had a 60% uh, uh, no take that back 
a 57.5% duels won, okay? Mm-hmm. So he won five out of eight of his duels. And he won his only aerial duel. Now let's take a look at uh, the new the the latest member of the back line, Diego Rocha, the academy product. He he did pretty well uh, before he came off the pitch. Yeah, it passing accuracy close to seventy percent. Um, on on both ends, uh, on the defensive end, close to seventy percent. And offensively, close to 70%. Uh, he went 50-50 on his duels. The only duel that he lost was over the air. And then you take a look at Carter Manley. Uh, Carter Manley, he was very efficient. Uh, two out of three in his uh, one-on-one duels one. Yeah. Uh, passing accuracy, he was okay Overall, uh, on the defensive end, he was a, a little bit suspect. He he was only held at fifty five percent. Um, so the pack line may not be the issue. So now let's let's erase all of our defenders and let's bring in the midfield. And I present just, you the okay. Just, uh, just to confirm, this is just in this past Saturday's match, right? Yes. Okay, continue. I present you our first midfield or substitute coming in. Your favorite, Christian Lucatello. Okay. Here's what scared me the most about his game after he was subbed in. His passing accuracy in the opponent's half. 33%. However... Defensively, he was 70% accurate. So you kind of have to like make it up somewhere with Christian Lucatero. He he went back and, and, and defended quite well. So Lucatero gets uh an an in-progress grade, an incomplete. Which look, honestly, Lucatero did not do as bad as I thought he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Mostly because defensively, like you said, he, he's doing good. Uh, Stats-wise, backs up that claim that defensively he looked good. But my question is, Lucatero was brought in to be an attacking midfielder. In, Correct. In any side. So the fact that he's only got 33% uh, passing, accurate, wait, passing accuracy, correct, in the opponent's half? Yes. Really scary. Really, really scary, to be honest. But... Um, Let's take a look at the rest of the midfielders. By the way, Tyberson left to what the 30th minute, 32nd minute? Yep, an injury, 32nd minute. And that is going to screw up any game plan that Coach Chivery might have had. So continue. Let's let's present Kevin Rodriguez. Okay. Passing accuracy overall, 83%. Mm-hmm. Passing accuracy in the opponent's half, 82. Here's the Here's a stat that's going to make you want to just like just cry and hide in the corner for a little bit. Oh, God. Duels won three, duels lost seven. Who was he going up against in the, uh, defensively? Well, pick, 
pick your poison. He he had to. He was either signed Maloney, Yarrow, uh, Smith, or or PC. Oof. Yeah, oof might be correct. Tyberson before coming off. Okay. Passing accuracy eighty nine percent. Passing successful rate in the opponent's half, 75%. Um, he only won one duel, and he lost four. And then got injured, and had to come off. Yep. So what so, about Cello? And, and, and one of those duels lost, just real quick, and one of those duels lost, he went down. And, and I, I want to say, and actually, in both the duels that he had, he went down. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, um, that's where I, I think the fatigue factor kicks in for all, a lot of these players. Yeah. Now, let's take a look at Isidro Martinez. Isidro Martinez, here we go. Passing accuracy, 70.3. Accuracy in the opponents have 63%. Duels won, seven, lost five. Okay, that's positive. Uh, again, this is where you want to have him win a little bit more because he's, I don't want to call him the stopper, but I do want to call him the ignition mm-hmm. of the team. The only problem is that one of the duels he lost led to the goal. Led to the goal. That is exactly correct. And that's where it's, that's where he says it's seven and six. So, and at the same time, if you didn't have other players not being able to get at least kind of a plus rating and what I mean by that is the ratio not being a three to four or something like that three and four you get my point you want to win more than you lose that's a given obviously you want to be over 500 and so that becomes a problem where it's just a one-man team where one man has to carry one part and so Isidro Martinez or well yeah you get my point of course he could only do so much before he was going to screw up that badly because nobody else could really get the job done behind him. Mm-hmm. So you take that into consideration. It's like, what else was he supposed to do? I understand it sucks. He let in a goal that's on him, but also it's on that whole team for not being able to keep possession as well. It always will go back to that at the moment. So what was the stats? What were the stats for uh, Kembo? Well, before I continue with with Kembo, I want to introduce James Murphy. Okay. Who's the next guy in line? Passing accuracy, 82%. Passing accuracy in the opponent's half, 76.2. Here are two shocking numbers. Aerial Duel lost his only challenge. And then one on ones, he went, he batted 500. He went four out of eight. 
Okay. Now. So that, go ahead. Okay, no, go, go ahead with your point. So basically he isn't doing as bad as we think he is. For right now, no. For right now, he's kind of on the safe side. Now, you ask for Kembo, I deliver you Kembo. Okay. 60% passing accuracy. Okay, that's kind of neutral for now. That's kind of like almost your check engine light. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Here's here's an alarming one. 52.9 in the opposing half. Oof. And then he lost his only one-on-one duel. And that's and that is the midfielders for you. Unless you have another question on another one. No, that's pretty much it. I was already gonna talk about that goal because Here's the thing. It's easy to it's easy to blame this on Cello, right? Because of his lack of awareness of having two players come at him. One of them, I believe it was Parano, Parano, came in from behind and he never realized it. Because you look at that you look at that game and I'm sure come on, I'm really trying to find that uh, for some reason in the USL website, the latest week's scores aren't loading up. Yeah, there's like a little drop-down menu. Yeah, it's like I put it in current week and nothing comes up. And I don't Yeah, know you have to drop down to put it in week five results. There's like a little drop-down. But I'm trying, to find, I'm trying to find the San Antonio match. It's at the I, very bottom of week five. I see it, I see it, I see it. Because I, I was... All right, because, like I said, I think it's Gibbs easy to... Oh. But I feel, honestly, that Chenna was put in this awkward situation by his teammate, by, by Rob. Because Rob has possession of the ball, right? He's trying to lead, get, lead the attack. Bumps into a San Antonio midfielder has no choice but to pass it back. But he passes it back to Cello, who's right in, mi- right in the middle of the field. And he's got two players. Uh, we've got Adam. Pirano and uh, what's his name? So- not Solignac. Number seven is Di Lorenzo. Lorenzo. Di Lorenzo. Di Lorenzo. Lorenzo And both of them pressure him at the same time. He loses the ball right there. But my point here is, I'm sorry, Rob, but I know you probably wanted to get rid of the ball first. And I know you know this. I know you know this because you probably probably revealed this tape right now. But I have to say it because th- this is my analysis of this, of, of this play. But Rob po- did not do Cello any favors with that, with that pass. He didn't give him an opportunity to receive. Re- by the time he received it, he's already got two players on him. And they were already ready to pounce. He loses the ball. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Go on. Cello. Did, had two touches in that. Uh, when he receives the ball, he has two touches, right? Mm-hmm. He sees Pirano coming at him. And I. he doesn't see. Un, he doesn't see that. 
that that uh, Dorenzo is behind him until he controls the ball. And I think Dorenzo is the one that kind of uh, touches that ball away from Cello's foot and into Pirano. The end of the day, San Antonio receive, you know, recovers that ball. Right? They steal that ball. Pirano dribbles it through the middle. Cello tries to get this ball back, slides. At this point, you've got a 2v2 situation right here. Because Rob, he got stuck out, uh, out ahead on the field. Trying in the attack, trying to start that attack. Well, he's way afield now. So now you've only got uh, Diego Rocha and Castellanos in the back against Pirano and Dorenzo. Pirano starts dribbling. He attracts Castellanos. Diego Rocha's looking at Pirano, never notices that. Dorenzo is unmarked behind him. Pirano makes that pass. He turns around and he realizes, oh, Dorenzo was by himself. I'm not sure if, if Rocha thought that, that Coronado was going to be coming back quickly, that he was going to be there uh, uh, marking Dorenzo. I'm not sure. I'm, you know, I'm not a mind reader or anything like that. But... Dorenzo receives that this 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 ball unmarked. But let's let's be honest. That was an easy, savable shot by Dorenzo. It wasn't going hard. It wasn't going on the upper 90. It was going on the ground. And it wasn't and like I said, it wasn't even going hard. It wasn't a hard shot. I don't know what. Paul Blanchett thought, I don't know what his thought process was of instead of using, instead of kneeling down to grab it and hug it. To me, it seemed like, and I know, Jacob, I know you've played FIFA, but have you, you ever played a game where your keeper glitches out and does this random, random ass uh, animation that makes no sense, you know, uh, makes no, has no common sense for uh, a human keeper to do. This is what it looked like. This yeah. play was what it looked like. A glitched out anim uh, keeper animation on FIFA. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Paul. I'm sorry, Paul. It might sound harsh, but that's what it seemed like. It Common sense yeah. says it's going on the ground it's not going hard i'm going to kneel and pick up that ball he basically threw himself tried to block it with his legs and all he did was redirect that ball inside his own net yeah like paul you were doing so good the last couple of matches i was willing to give you uh, to to kind of re uh, re you were redeeming yourself in my eyes and then you yeah, do making yourself us. into a good goalkeeper is what it seemed like I mean, he was le he was leading the whole league in, in saves. And you just don't understand how, how this happened. Yeah. But that's my take. Hey. That's my take on that goal. Well, I mean, you're 
yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah, that's correct. And what one thing that I'd say is why Blanchett did what he did is because maybe he felt like he was blocked and maybe he felt like the ball was going a different way at the same time. Sometimes those balls that, yes, don't seem too hard, but if they have a little bit of bounce to them are confusing. But again, just like he said, you don't necessarily throw yourself at your goal, basically, and try to save it with just your feet when you know it could be a little softer. If anything, you can go up and try and maybe dive on the ball, if anything. It's, there's two, there, of course, just like we said, are two different ways to really go about it. So, yeah, it's one of those mistakes. That's why he's in the USL. That's why, of course, you know, he was a backup. You're still going to have goalkeepers. You're still going to have those players that are going to make a bit, bit of mistakes because they still need to grow. In my opinion, better to it's better to grow now than to yeah, just be waiting around or something like that. And it happens later on when you're about three points away from the playoffs. So yes, of course, we don't have a lot of games to get back into this at all. But at that same point. It's better to have happened now than later. 